Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, good morning to you online. We're glad that you are with us today. Um, I want to give a quick recap of where we've been so far. So we're on a journey from November, or sorry, September, all the way through November. That's a long journey to be on. And often we might do like a three-week series or a four-week series, but we're kind of stretching things out over the course of 10 weeks and we're talking about uh, a certain subject and some tools that we've been rolling out for that period of time. And I just wanna say too, by the way, if you miss our gatherings, so like, oh man, I missed last week, man, please catch up. Please like make it a point to say, I'm gonna go back out and tune in to what my church family is saying. Because my assumption already is you're like, man, this is one of the important conversations in my week. So over a seven day period of time, what goes on in Meadow Heights? I need to make sure I'm tuned into that, right? That's where everybody's at. Yeah, figured you guys were. So if you miss, carve out 30 minutes. You know, you might be like, oh, it's not the same as being there. And it may not be the same, but it's important to be able to tune in and kind of catch up on the conversation that we're having. And here's the conversation. Um, we said that we are a church that equips people to become, everybody say become. 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 And what are we becoming? An unstoppable source of God's love. And when we do that, we believe that it'll change our world. And in order to become, we said we got 10 practices. And we're gonna give you tools with those. And so here's what, we've, here's what we've said. If we're gonna become an unstoppable source of God's love, first it begins with me. Everybody say me. me. That's right, you and me. And that we have to first learn from Jesus. And in that learning, there was three practices. I notice God's work in and around me. So we call that a kairos. I notice what God's up to. Huh, God's up to that today. I wonder what that means. Hmm, to ponder on that. And then when we see something, when we see that work, we get to have a choice. Like, do I want to choose to be a part of that? Like, what am I gonna, what kind of choice do I need to make? And then we have to surrender to God's love in response to that choice. So it begins with me, and then it includes we. Everybody say we. Everybody say we, we. I just wanted you to say that. It has nothing to do with anything else. But we, it includes we, and we get to love like Jesus. And in order to love like Jesus, the first practice is I bring my true self. I get to bring me. And there's a lot of times in life it feels like we don't get to bring our true selves. And that's what God says, I bring my true self. That's what we get to do. And he reminded us, Brian did a couple weeks ago, that he said everything that we deeply desire, our belonging, significance, insecurity, this idea of doing more, getting more, and being more is already given through Christ Jesus. So because that's already given to us, we get to bring our true self. And last week I reminded us that we get to embody grace and truth. And grace and truth is what love really looks like with Jesus. So that brings us to today. Because there's a lot of good news in there. And when that good news has changed your life, you get to proclaim that good news to other people. That is a really good thing. In fact, here's our good news proclamation today. Because the good news sets me from doing more, say doing more, more. getting more, and being more, I get to speak good news to others. Not just a blanket good news to everyone, but specific and personal good news to someone. I wanna read that again. 
because the good news sets me free from doing more, getting more, and being more. I now get to speak good news to others, and not just a blanket good news to everyone, but specific and personal good news to someone. That's good news. So that's where we are so far today. Now hang with me, I'm gonna jump in and read one of the longest scriptures we've read here at Meadow Heights probably, but this is our scriptural context for today, and then we're gonna unpack that here in a little bit. So Jesus had appeared to his disciples a couple different times, and he's by the Sea of Galilee, and this is what Peter says, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, the other disciples, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got in a boat, But that night they had caught nothing, and early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was him. He called out to them, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the other side of the boat, and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. And then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter said it, As soon as Simon Peter heard it it was the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off. He jumped into the water, and the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. For they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire burning, coals there, with fish on it, and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore, and it was full of large fish, 153 But even with so many fish, the nets were not torn. And Jesus said, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared ask who it was. They already knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they were finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, well, feed my limbs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had to ask him the third time. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, feed my sheep. Big scripture, a lot to unpack, and we're going to do that here in a few moments. But before we do that, I just want us all to stand. We're going to sing some more. Stacy and the team are going to lead us. Let's all just close our eyes for a second. And let's just take a couple deep breaths. And in doing that, just not only prepare your mind and your hearts, but just kind of your body as well, just to receive whatever it is that God wants to say to us this morning. As we breathe in and out, maybe just the stress of whatever's going on in our life can begin to just kind of escape our body a little and help us to loosen up and be tuned. Father, this morning we are grateful for an opportunity to be gathered together. And as we do, we're not just here by chance. I don't think we're just here out of, because we should be here. I don't know, maybe why everybody's here, but we're here, and you're here, and we wanna hear from you. So as you speak this morning, help us to listen. We love you, God. We ask this in your name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. You know, when we're 
when I'm talking about good news, that we get to be good news proclaimers, like it's, it's that. So what, what is good news? Good news is who God is and who we are because of who God is. So like you could say, oh, well, who's God? Well, God's good, yeah. And who we are, we're saved. But the good news is also much bigger than that and also much better than that. Like it's specific good news to you and you and you and in your context. And so like when I'm hearing that song, I'm going, there's no mountain he won't climb up. There's no wall he won't tear down, no lie that he won't push back to come and meet me. Do you see the difference of specific good news to me? Because I have all kinds of lies I believe about myself. But the fact that God will push back against every lie and that his truth will actually lean in to me in my context. And the reason that it's such a good thing we get to be, be good news proclaimers is because I think for too long, Christians are tempted to just lean into the good news of God is good and you can be saved from hell because of who God is. And like, that's our good news. And that's the stamp we put on it. And that's what we go out and proclaim. And that's what everybody has to bow down to. Versus God has all kinds of good news for us every day in our lives. Specific good news to you in your context, whatever you're dealing with. Security, belonging, and significance. These areas that we struggle with in our everyday real lives. And sometimes this big blanket good news of God is good. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes this just doesn't feel like just good news. Like what? God's good? Oh, okay. Well, how come I'm dealing with all this? What's going on in my life? Like there's specific good news to me in my context. I love that. Because the good news sets me free from doing more, getting more, and being more, I get to speak the good news to others. Not just a blanket good news for everyone, but a specific and personal good news to someone. Isn't that great? We get to carry that good news. And the scripture that we're gonna unpack today, man, it is so dear to my life. <laughs> I have had that same conversation with Jesus so many times like Peter has, so many times in my life and in some intersecting conversations. He's just brought me back to that scripture so many times. And I, I know a lot of you know my story. I've shared it, so I'm just gonna wrap it up a little bit. But I come from divorced parents, um, not raised in a church context where I like, Really heard the good news. I think good news for me in my life. Uh, my stepfather was a drug addict, an alcoholic. Um, we dealt with a lot of abuse in our life. We were held at gunpoint often. We were feared for our lives, literally feared for our lives. Like, we're going to die tonight, I think, on so many occasions. Uh, very few people knew this outside of a couple family members. And um, it left me from like, before kindergarten, all through high school, really pretending because nobody knew what was going on. So I just kind of pretended like everything was okay and that's just kind of how I lived my life. And that seemed to work for a while, but then I graduated high school and all of a sudden, all my pretending life didn't seem to work in this new reality of outside of high school and I didn't know how to operate in the world and I became very frustrated and angry at people and the world around me. And then at 19, I heard some good news. 
like specific good news for me. That God loved me. And like he like wanted me to be a part of any type of plan that he had in this world. And I, I was like rocked by that a little bit. Like me? Like you want me. And I was caught so off guard by that, it took weeks for me to actually lean in and believe that. Like that God actually wanted me. So I had to surrender that and begin to transform my life. And the biggest hurdle I think I had to overcome was belonging. Like this sense that I could belong. And and I'll be honest, it's the biggest thing that I still struggle with today. So it's the biggest hurdle that I have to overcome all the time when it comes to this idea that, like Brian talked about, that we find our security and our significance and our belonging in Jesus. Like this started back at the beginning with Adam and Eve and who, who they were and what happened in the fall. We lost all of that. And for me, it's this sense of belonging was like that I really, it's difficult for me to believe that I can just be me. Like I just get to bring me. So I've, I've had to work with that for a long time. And, and with all the masking and so many things in life, I've, I overcome that on a regular basis. But I, there's days where I still struggle with it. But I get to bring me. That's good news. And what happens is when I lean in and begin to trust God for my security, my significance, and my belonging, that good news changes my life. And now I get to share it with other people. Because everything we have is in Christ. We get to bring our true selves, and we get to embody grace and truth, and now we get to share that with other people. So what does it look like, like to proclaim good news? Because I think we have a good imagination for God is good, and we should surrender to him, but like, what does that really look like in our lives? And so we're going to take a little time to unpack that. I want to share three things that what it isn't, just to start off with. This isn't about positive thinking. It's not like, oh, if you just think better, I'm gonna give you some positive thinking and you can just change your circumstances. That's not what it is. It's not what I said in the good news. It's not a blanket statement. God is good. Of course God is good, but it's something specific that you can proclaim to somebody else. It's not passive, aggressive, guilt trip accountability, okay? Like you just need to trust God. That's your problem. He's trustworthy, you need to trust him. So we've all dealt with these. I just want to get that on the table. Like we're not dealing with this type of stuff. So today what I want to do, my task is to give you a little imagination of what it looks like to see what it could look like in your life to proclaim specific, concrete good news to someone else. And we're going to look at Jesus and how he did it. Okay. So Jesus proclaims specific and personal good news all the time throughout scripture. So we're going to dive in and we're going to look at this story about these guys that are heading out fishing, his disciples, after the death, they're back to fishing, kind of lost out on everything else. This didn't work out, so we're going to go back to fishing. And this is what happens. So they've been fishing all night. Jesus comes on the scene. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you caught any fish? No, they answered. He said, well, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. You'll find some. You mean over here, Jesus? Six feet from where we're fishing over here? Yeah. Throw it over there. Okay. (laughs) So they throw the net on the other side of the boat. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the nets because the large number of fish. So what Jesus does first is he just asks the disciples to name their reality. Hey, fellas, how's the fishing going? Not so good. We haven't caught anything. We'll cast it on the other side. And they did. 
Like they had to actually lean into what Jesus was inviting them to do. But Jesus offers some really good news through some fishing advice. Hey, cast your nets on the other side of the boat as they lean into it. Because these guys aren't out there fishing for sport. It's not like Peter's like, hey, what do you guys want to do today? I don't know. I'm going to go fishing. Hey, I will come along. Like what they're doing in this moment is they had given up everything to follow Jesus. So they gave up everything to follow him, and they're sitting there, and they have nothing to show for it now. So now they're back to fishing for their livelihood. That's what they're doing. Like they're back out there fishing. Everything they have at stake is right here in this moment. So they had to trust what Jesus was saying. And what he was saying in this simple act of, hey, cast your nets on the other side, is who God is, the Lord of all creation that provides for his children. Who they are, blessed, provided for, living in abundance. The good news, basically, what they were saying is, Jesus said, hey, you can trust me to provide for you. And specifically to Peter, like, hey, apart from me, you can do nothing. But in me, you have everything you need. So he said, hey, listen, you guys can trust me. Right now, you have a big lack of security. You got nothing going on in your life. You followed me once. Now you're back out here fishing. You got nothing to show for it. Cast your nets on the other side. Oh, my gosh, we have all these fish. It's Jesus. Yep. Everything you have is in me. Trust me. Your security was in me before. Your security should still be found in me. And then in verse 9 through 12, it says, When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals, and there was fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the nets ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said, Come and have breakfast. There's a lot of good news packed in that. Hey, come and have breakfast. So Jesus invites his disciples, even Peter. Hey, Peter, come and have breakfast. So the second area Jesus has given good news is to the lack of belonging for Peter. Because the last time Jesus and Peter locked eyes, he denied him three times. Like, he pushed back and said, I don't even know who this guy is. And through that admission where he says this, I don't even know him, Peter's thinking, I've severed this relationship with Jesus forever. Like, I don't, I don't even think I belong with him anymore. I've broken the only law of the new covenant, love, when I pushed back and denied Jesus. But in this simple act, Jesus is saying, hey, come and have breakfast, Peter. Because sitting down and having breakfast with him is saying, I give you my honor. I give you my worth. Come still sit at the table with me. You always have a place right here. It's as if Jesus is saying this. You're acceptable to me, Peter. I will remain loyal to you and united with you despite all of your failings. My love makes you enough for me. Receive my acceptance and my validation because you belong their lack of security, Peter's lack of belonging through some simple acts of just, hey, why don't you come up here and have breakfast? He didn't stand from the shore and be like, I'm good. Hey, I'm good. I saved you guys. See ya. Like, isn't that how we respond a lot of times to people? 
in whatever they're going through, like, oh, well, God's good. God's good, guys. Yeah, trust him. All right, let's pray. Have a good day. Jesus says, hey, cast your nets. Hey, come have breakfast. And then when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, well, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, you know that I love you. Jesus asked, well, take care of my sheep. Then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Feed my sheep. So three times, Jesus asked this, do you love me? Yeah. No, no, hey, hey Peter, do you love me? Hmm? Peter, do you love me? Oh, you mean for the third time? Yeah, because I denied you three times? Gosh, that stings. But yes, I love you. You know what Jesus was doing? Peter had a lack of significance in his life. He was following the Messiah. He was like on a journey with Jesus. He had security. Everything you have is in me. He had belonging. I belong to Jesus. I am in this kingdom. And he had significance. I'm on this journey with Jesus. And he blew it all. See, he had been so overconfident. In the past, he's like, listen, if these fellas don't follow you, I'm with you. It's why Jesus said, do you love me more than these guys? Yes, yes, yes. And what he's allowing Jesus to do is actually proclaim the love that he has for him. It, it does something, doesn't it? Like I can walk around and just think, boy, I love Heather. But if I just think that and never say it, there's something that happens not just to her, but something happens within me when I say, I love Heather. I love Heather. Ooh, I love Heather. So Peter's saying, I love you. I love you. Yes, I do, I love you. And Jesus says, well, come, feed my sheep. You have significance, you have purpose. I want you back into the kingdom redemption plan. You have it in me. He's saying, I'm the one that forgives you, Peter. Even your deepest transgressions, even the worst things that you've done, there's still a place for you as my authorized representative. Will you trust my love enough to participate? And it, it's funny, in all three of these instances of good news, Jesus invites him to participate in something. So even with Peter, he says, hey, come and have breakfast. Peter had to come and sit and be served by Jesus again. Like, that takes a lot, but okay, I'm gonna come do it. I'm gonna come sit down here. And yes, he restores Peter, and yes, he forgives Peter, but he does something beautiful, which is reinstates him back into some significance in his life. And because the good news sets me free from doing more, getting more, and being more, I get to speak that kind of good news to other people. And not just a blanket good news, but something specific and personal to someone else. And Jesus saying, hey, Peter, come with me and receive this good news so you can go and speak it to other people. All three of these things, so simple. Over some fishing advice, over some breakfast, over some questions and commissioning, Jesus speaks specifically to Peter in those moments.
So for me, I felt like God spoke specifically to me. And all the bad news I believed, everything that I had going on in my life, and like now I get in on proclaiming good news to other people. And it's been about a month ago, but I, I had a really difficult situation. A family invited me in uh, to help mediate and I guess maybe try to bring some clarity into a situation. And I had no idea what I was walking into. And it was like lots of hurt and baggage. And I'm talking like it was one of more the, the most difficult things I'd ever traversed in a counseling session in quite some time. And there was a lot of recent hurt. There was a lot of hurt tied to past hurts and all that stuff was coming up in that moment. And as I sat there and listened and processed, I began to hear some really bad news that was going on in that situation. And I also began to see how some of that correlated like with my life, like some of the hurts that was going on in there. I'm like, wait a second, I think I've experienced these. I think I can relate to what's going on in this situation. And we all sat there and we, all of us were crying. I was crying. I pounded my fist on the table, but it was in truth and love. But I was doing that, and we were just, we were in tears. And I was able, one of the biggest things that they were just struggling with is, I don't think we can get over this. Like, that was kind of where we landed. Like, I don't think we can get over this. The hurt is too deep. But I had some specific good news to that. Because I had hurt really deep. I went through a lot of trauma. And I know that through Jesus, there can be healing. There is hope in there. No matter how deep the hurt is, God's unstoppable source of love can change everything. And I was just able to say, wow, I, I think, I knew, I actually know this can take place. But I do know one thing that had to happen in my life is that I had to want something different. So I just like gave like a little picture of what if it could look like this? And they just got to a place where like, I think I want restoration. Like, I think I want that. And we cried some more and we prayed and everybody was exhausted, including me. And they have a lot of work to do, okay? So it wasn't like magically they got up, we all sang Kumbaya and walked out the door. It was, we walked out the door feeling very heavy. But what there was, there was hope in their specific situation. Good news for them. And as I drove away from that place, I kind of had like this real like moment of gratitude of like, man, what if I had not have received the good news? What if I had not have believed those things about my lack of security, my lack of significance, my lack of belonging? What if I had not leaned in and trusted that in my life? Like, I truly wouldn't have been able to speak that in their life. I wouldn't have. I'm sitting there kind of all wonder like, wow, I get to proclaim this good news. And because the good news sets me free, for my lack of security and my lack of significance and my lack of belonging, I get to speak good news to others. Not a blanket good news, but something specific and personal to someone. And you know what's really cool about proclaiming good news? It's not reserved for pastors. That's really good news. <laughs> it's not just for me. It's not just for Leslie. And Brian and Greg, like, man, it's good that we get to do all of this. You get to proclaim good news. When we receive that, we get to be good news proclaimers. But I think we lack of an imagination of what it even looks like to proclaim good news. 
And like we see from Jesus, often a lot of times it's something that sounds maybe a little normal. It's not necessarily big theology statements. Maybe it's in something as simple as like, hey, why don't you take your mat and go home? Hey, Zacchaeus, get down from that tree. Come here. I want to talk to you. What does that mean for Zacchaeus in that moment? Like, wow, there's some good news packed into that. Will you give me a drink of water? Hey, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Hey, come have breakfast with me. And one of the best ways that we practice good news, actually one of the best ways in these 10 practices, like five or six of these 10 practices in our Get Real groups, that's what we're doing. We're learning how to do these. But a couple weeks ago in a Get Real group, this was one way that I was able to proclaim good news to somebody. They were thinking because God is good and he's been there for so many things in their past, they were really struggling with some sadness that they were going on in their life and they felt like, I can't be sad about this. Why? Because God's good and I need to be happy. So I'm like, well, tell me what's going on. And as she began to unfold what's going on in her life, I'm like, wow, that's sad. So you know what our good, my good news for was? It's okay to be sad. You know how relieved she felt? I can be sad. Yeah. Because that's a really sad thing you're dealing with. And you don't need to pretend to be happy because God is good. God's actually sad about that too. You know why? Because he cares about it way more than you do. Hmm. So just invite him in to let him sit in your sadness. I didn't tell her to go into deep, dark depression. But I said, it's okay to be sad. Because God is going to meet you in your sadness. And when you can let him meet you in your sadness, then you guys can work through that. And actually, the only way you're going to work through it is to actually be sad, not to be happy. Simple, specific, good news. It's okay to be sad. And God can meet you in that. Another example was a a dad who was trying to control everything. Like, we can't, like, we got to be proactive with everything. That way I'm not reactive to something else. Because if you're proactive, that's good. And when I have to be reactive, then that's when I'm going to probably get mad or I'm going to get frustrated. And good news for him was like, hey, there's going to be situations we have to react to. Here's some good news. Let your kids see the work that's going on in you. Let them see that through reaction. What better way to teach them about reactions than actually reacting in a positive way? Huh, that's good news. Like, simple, specific, good news. What was the good news? Who God is? God is with that young man. He's doing work in his life. And let that work show up in a practical way. Last week at Farmington, we had a guy, uh, we were talking about, we were doing that open mic thing. We we're just like, hey, what do you, where do you see yourself? What do you struggle with in this? He's like, oh, I go to checkout a lot. And the reason I go to checkout a lot is, he's like, I, I kind of get down because I don't have a family. Like, I don't really have anybody. Like, and he's just standing there talking about that. And I was able to tell him some really good news. Here was his good news. Hey, Chris, yeah, you have a family. It may not be flowing through blood, but you're in this church, and we're all here for you, and we're your family. And who God is, and who we are as God's people, and the way we forgive and love on you, you have a family right here. 
And after the gathering, he's like, man, I needed that. Like, thanks for that good news. I didn't say, hey, God is good all the time. Yeah, that's right. He is good all the time. I'm not making fun of that. Just saying sometimes we need a better understanding what it looks like can give some specific good news to someone's context. And sometimes that means we might have to stop and we might have to listen and we might have to ask questions and then we might have to discern what's going on in their life. And then we might have to look into our lives and say, God, what are you doing in this situation and how might I respond to it and give them something specific, good news that applies to them. And if it lines up with something that is like something Jesus would say, worse comes to worse, you give them really good neat words, really good news that Jesus might tell them. Maybe it isn't the good news they need to hear, but it's something that God's up to in his world and what's going on, and maybe it applies to their life. But it's something specific, good news. But what we do have to do is we have to surrender to that. So Jesus invites Peter to come have breakfast. He asked him, does he love him? Yes, I do. And he says, well, go feed my sheep. And then Peter had to ultimately submit to saying, yes, that's what I wanna do. I have to surrender to being a good news proclaimer. And this morning, we are free. We're free from our lack of security and belonging and significance. And because the good news sets us free from that, we get to be good news proclaimers. Not just a great big blanket good news, but something specific and personal to someone. And we have to surrender to being good news proclaimers.